is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I hope you'll stick with us tonight for our three hours. I think you agree it was worth it on Friday. Many people are repeating today what we said the other day, and that's good. We're going to discuss a little bit impeachment, because that's where all this is headed. If you'll allow me, let us please set this up. Not because I said these things months ago, but because I want to make a very, very important point about impeachment. There will be few other hosts, few other outlets, few other platforms where an individual knows as much about this as I do. Throughout my career, I've studied the Constitution. But let's begin the day after Election Day, November 9, 2016. The election recall was November 8th. Again, there's an important reason that I'm, that I'm going through this. It's not uh, self-aggrandizement. Count one, go. Let me tell you what the Democrats mean to do to you, Mr. Trump. They intend to sabotage you. They intend to sabotage you every step of the way and then blame you. They intend to look for every opportunity to criminalize the politics that swirls around you. And they're good at it, and they do it. And if necessary, they intend to try to impeach you. Trust me when I tell you this is their agenda. They are vicious. They are ideologues. They have a Soviet-style mentality. They will not allow an election to get in their way. Okay, that was November 9, 2016, the day after the election. The day after. Two days later, three days after the election. Three days. Cut two, go. And they will lay in wait, as I also told you, the day after, Tuesday, Wednesday, by my calendar, that they will try and lay the case for the eventual impeachment of Trump. I'm quite serious about this. You watch, mark my words, circle the date on the calendar, Wednesday passed. They're going to spend the next two years, after maybe a month or two or three or four of smiling as they sharpen their knives, they're going to spend the rest of the two-year period doing everything they can to create scandal, to create controversy and provocation. Anybody who serves in this administration is going to be fair game. These leftists use the same tactics as the Marxists. You see them in the streets now? You think these billionaires like Soros are just going to go away? They're already plotting. They're already meeting in their little hotel rooms. They're already doing the things that leftists, radical kooks do. You think they believe in the system? They only believe in the system if they win. They don't accept defeat, ever. And Schumer's the worst of the bunch. And they are plotting right now. Mark my words. They are plotting right now. Trying to figure out ways to bring down this administration. Even before the week is over. And so is Obama. November 11, 2016. Then, three days after the president is sworn in and the inauguration, 
I return to this issue of impeachment. Cut three, go. The same Praetorian Guard media that protected Obama every step of the way, all of his scandals, his horrendous lawlessness. Now they're all over Trump. They've sent every cub reporter and everybody above. Everywhere they can go, find dirt, take the guy down. And they're working closely with somebody, ladies and gentlemen, I believe. A malcontent, a miscreant by the name of David Brock. And over at the Washington Free Beacon, Joe Shostall has a piece. Confidential David Brock memo. This is Media Matters for America, a.k.a. Media Matters for uh, whatever. Uh, defeat Trump through impeachment. Now, I've been telling you about this on radio and TV now for a long time. They're going to try and build up scandals. They're going to try and create ethics issues, probably with his business activities. That's where they are, or his tax return, whatever it is. They're going to look. They're going to fight. This is what they're good at, Soviet-style tactics against their opponents. Chuck Schumer and his crowd, they're not honorable people. They're the opposite. They're dishonorable people. Like David Brock, that little puke. A confidential David Brock memo obtained by the Washington Free Beacon lays out the ways the Democratic operative plans to use his numerous organizations to take down President Donald Trump through impeachment. Remember, this fool is also funded or has been funded in part by George Soros. Brock is currently at the Turnberry Isle Resort in Aventura, Aventura, Florida, for a weekend conference with more than 100 major liberal donors. Attendees are mapping out a course to combat the newly sworn-in president. According to the private... You know what? I have to say this. Uh, I'll hold my tongue. According to the private and confidential memo, Brock plans to defeat Trump, quote, through impeachment, unquote. I'll say what I meant. These are like the brown shirts of the left. What did he say? He didn't say anything close to what Judd said. The brown shirts of the left. Okay, call them red shirts. Whatever you want to. No other progressive organization has the resources and assets, I'm quoting, that American Bridge has amassed over the past several election cycles to hold Trump, his administration, and the politicians accountable, says the 44-page confidential memo. Only Bridge, that's his group, only Bridge stands ready with staff already hired. Trump's web of business, I told you, Trump's web of business ties mapped out and a massive video archive at our fingerprints. So they're going to use the fact that the man is a successful businessman and try and get them all caught up. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in June of this year, June 15th, after Mueller had been appointed and he began his crusade, uh, I also, well, actually, let me go to February 13, 2017. I used a phrase that I have used before, which has now been picked up by others, to define to define what the ultimate purpose here is. This is February 13, less than a month after the President of the United States, Donald Trump, was sworn in. Cut four, go. All the Trump staffers don't have clean hands. All of his administration officials don't have clean hands. A lot of this stuff comes from the inside, but a lot of it comes from Obama holdovers. That's the plan. I'm telling you, they're coordinating this. Schumer holds back as many of these cabinet officials as possible. The Obama flunkies have weaseled their way into the bureaucracy, and they have no intention of leaving. You've already read, and we talked about it last week, of these clandestine avenues of communication within the bureaucracy because they don't want to be found out by the president 
or by people like us through the Freedom of Information Act. This is a silent coup. That's what it is. This is an effort to, whether you agree with all his policies or not, and I don't agree with all his policies, but I do agree with several of them. Whether you do or not is not the issue. The point is we have like an underground or a shadow government going on here. We have two former presidents who do not know their place because they are relatively young men, or they were when they're president, and they are, may I say, Clinton and uh, Obama, really punks. That's the way I view it. Very immature narcissists and nihilists. And they're not going to allow something like an election, particularly through the Electoral College, to get in their way. Bill Clinton's fierce his wife didn't win, even though he's mistreated her more than any other human being on the face of the earth. Barack Obama's furious that Hillary didn't win because now he's concerned about his agenda. Not about America, not about the country. So I've been pointing out this impeachment mentality from day one, that it is in fact an attempt at a coup, a silent coup. You'll remember the left became incredibly violent, including at the inauguration. Uh, they started to attack the Electoral College, um, any process that fails to deliver them an absolute victory. And now we have Special Counsel Mueller. He shouldn't be called Special Counsel. The proper name for Mueller now is Special Impeachment Counsel. Special Impeachment Counsel. Back in June, I reiterated what the goal was here. Impeachment. And that now Special Impeachment Counsel Mueller, a report that he would issue, not a formal report, because he's not an independent counsel, but a report, a statement of some sort, depending on how he files his, his, uh, his uh, open court papers and so forth, will be aimed and are aimed at impeaching Donald Trump. From June 15 of this year, cut five, go. So why would they be investigating the President of the United States for obstruction of justice when, number one, it's an impossibility in this case, since he has the constitutional power to fire any inferior officer? For any reason. And number two, the facts, even if he didn't have that power, simply do not justify it. If that's the purpose of the special counsel's investigation, among others, and if it is the official position of the Department of Justice that you cannot indict a sitting president, then you know what Robert Mueller's doing? Do you know, Mr. Producer? He's going to write a report one day. Uh, you'll read this at National Review in three months. Stick with me. He's going to write a report one day, which he knows, which Comey knows, which Schumer knows, and they're all friends, those three. They're all tight. will be used as the basis for impeachment if they can win the House of Representatives. Mr. Mueller may be investigating individuals and so forth, but his purpose for being unleashed against the President of the United States is to make the case for impeachment, not indictment. This is very, very important to understand. This is why the Democrats are so enthusiastic about him in particular and about that position and why they want it as broad as possible. This is the plan. I don't doubt it for a minute. That was almost half a year ago. Almost half a year. Now, why am I raising all this? To show you how smart I am? Not at all. What is impeachment supposed to be about? What is impeachment supposed to be for? It's not to impeach a president 
and then seek to remove them from office for policy disputes or differences of opinion or errors in judgment. It's not supposed to be used by the legislature, the Congress, to paralyze a president and paralyze his administration. It's not supposed to be used for superheated partisanship and political purposes. And yet from day one, this has been the position of the Democrat Party and the media and the left. Impeachment is supposed to be an absolute last resort for addressing a president outside the criminal justice system, addressing a president who has conducted himself in a way that significantly, if not overwhelmingly, is does damage to our constitutional system or does serious injury to our republic. I've heard people say, well, you can impeach somebody for anything. That's not the history of impeachment. That's not what impeachment's supposed to be about at all. This isn't Britain, where impeachment was ubiquitous, where impeachment applied to any public official. This isn't a battle between a parliament and a king. We have separation of powers. Separation of powers. And this separation of powers system is teetering on disaster. And it's been for a long time. When the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, acting as the Acting Attorney General of the United States, appointed Robert Mueller as special counsel to investigate essentially all things, he violated, in my view, the construct of the Constitution. It's one thing to have a special counsel with a very, very specific mandate to assist the Department of Justice in its work. It's quite another to unleash a special counsel without a specific mandate, who can rove the countryside looking for crimes or alleged crimes on all matters against all people. That's not our constitutional system. That's not how it's supposed to work. Mr. Mueller has no constitutional uh, foundation, none whatsoever. He is a creation. He is a he is a, a, a figment of a, of, an, of, a, of a super partisan time in our history. And he simply does not, moreover, have the temperament for this job. He's like a hamster on a hamster wheel who keeps running, just keeps running in place. Running, 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 running. Pick off as many people as he can, no matter what the so-called offense. Punish them, brutalize them, break them emotionally and financially in order to achieve some end which is, in this case, the impeachment of the President of the United States. The Democrat Party knows exactly what it's doing. The Democrat Party doesn't give a damn about the Constitution. They defended Barack Obama and his multiple violations of the Constitution. They defend federal district judges and appellate judges who are regularly violating the Constitution. More on that on the uh, immigration issue in a little bit. So the Democrats wanted a special counsel not to uphold the Constitution, but to continue to destroy it. And Mr. Mueller and his hand-picked group of hacks, many of whom contributed to Hillary and or Obama, and there's a special FBI agent you've heard about all day, and I'll get into that. This entire enterprise has as its purpose not to uphold the rule of law, but to destroy a presidency and further degrade our constitutional system. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
prosecutor who believes himself to be answerable to nobody is doing the bidding of a political party, of a movement. It was appointed by a deputy attorney general because the attorney general recused himself. The deputy attorney general also did not follow Department of Justice guidelines by giving him a very, very broad mandate and failing to rein him in. So this is a rogue special impeachment prosecutor. It's exactly what he is. You're going to hear people say that impeachment is a political question. That's only good to some extent. It goes further than that. Impeachment is a constitutional question. And the members of the House, like the members of the Senate, like the President of the United States, like all federal employees, take an oath to uphold the Constitution. To say it's a political question means that you can try and remove a president for any reason, which of course would completely subvert, if not eviscerate, the whole notion of separation of powers. So it's more than a political question. It's a constitutional issue. More when I return. Liberty's Voice. Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Now the focus, the focus seems to be uh, uh, zoning in on uh, the firing of James Comey. Now isn't that ironic? There is no dispute whatsoever that the president can fire the head of the FBI. The president nominates the head of the FBI. And the president and the FBI director has a 10-year term. The reason the FBI director has a 10-year term wasn't because of concern that he or she might be overly uh, influenced by a president. And so, you know, they get these long terms. No. The reason they got a 10-year term was to hope that they were independent. James Comey has demonstrated he was not independent. His handling of the Hillary Clinton uh, eavesdropping case, among other things. He's also demonstrated that he's the one who should be in the dock. Stealing government documents, that's what he did, you know. I wasn't stealing the jewelry from the house. I was only borrowing it. I wanted to take it, you know, to a social event. No, no, you can't steal documents and then claim you put them back. Now, in the case of the government, it includes copies of documents. That's the government's proprietary information. Mr. Comey knew it, and he took them anyway. He made copies, and he gave some to third parties, including the New York Times, through a subterfuge, and he knew the New York Times shouldn't have had those documents, and we don't know to whom else he has leaked. But a nice grand jury appearance has a way of getting people to reveal themselves. So what is it exactly, this obstruction of justice, that's being talked about? He interfered with the Russia investigation? Does it look like anybody interfered with the Russia investigation? The deputy director of the FBI, who became the acting FBI director when Comey was rightly kicked out of office, said at the time before the House committee, I believe, or a Senate committee, that they had plenty of resources and nobody had stopped them and they were continuing. There's no direct order from the president, even though he could, by the way. There's no direct order from the president. 
None. And we have Mr. Mueller. Mr. Mueller has not brought a single case, a single charge against anybody for colluding with the Russians to help the Trump campaign during the campaign. Nothing. Zero. So what's the obstruction? That he might have? Now, as for um, Mr. Flynn speaking to the Russians, and by the way, dozens of other countries, which is never mentioned. Russia was one of the countries. At the uh, reported direction or alleged direction of another senior official, it really really doesn't matter who it was. Um, People are saying, oh, this is a violation of the Logan Act. Well, nobody believes it's a violation of the Logan Act. Nobody. Except left-wing kooks, some of whom are members of Congress and some of whom may work for Mr. Mueller. A law that was passed in 1799 has never been successfully used against anybody. And of course, as I keep pointing out, Mr. Flynn was not your average citizen conducting foreign policy. He wasn't conducting foreign policy at all. And he certainly wasn't an average citizen. He was coming in a senior position in the uh, incoming administration, as everybody knew. The phone call, I believe, was made December 29th, three weeks before Donald Trump was to be sworn in. So there's nothing untoward about this. Nothing ahistorical about this. Nothing. Certainly nothing illegal or criminal about it. Mark Toner, Obama State Department spokesman on January 13, 2017, seven days before Donald Trump was sworn in, was asked about this by Matt Lee of the Associated Press. You know, Flynn contacting uh, other governments and so forth, uh, including uh, Russia. See, it was known back then. And here's what he said. Cut six, go probably have seen um, reports starting yesterday, but then more of them this morning about contact uh, between um, the incoming national security advisor and uh, the Russian ambassador. I'm just wondering from the State Department's point of view, is this something that's uh, of concern at all? Or uh, I'll just leave it there and then follow up. Again, not necessarily. I, I've seen the reports. Um, I, I, I don't think uh, they've been confirmed or corroborated yet. Um, but, uh, you know, that's uh, as, as he's part of the transition team. That's really for them to speak to and how they are engaging. I mean, the, right. the president-elect is also engaged uh, on his own with uh, many world leaders. Uh, so I, I don't want to speculate and I don't want to. No, there's nothing. The, the, this building doesn't see anything necessarily uh, you know, inappropriate about contact between members of the incoming administration and foreign officials, no, no. matter what country they're from. No. Right? No. And, and again, this has been ongoing. I mean, we stand ready if they want to work through the State Department to contact some of these individuals, um, but we have no, um, you know, no comment or no uh, uh, problem with them doing such on their own. Absolute non issue. Then ask yourself, you're Robert Mueller, and you're hack prosecutors, and you're sitting around, and you have access to a transcript, if not an actual recording, of Mike Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador. We know this. It was either through the FISA warrant or through the backdoor uh, gathering of information on the Russian ambassador, uh, who is being eavesdropped upon, and uh, the unmasking of Mr. Flynn and the felonious leaking of his identity by somebody on the inside to the media. 
there's a felony. I'm sure that uh, Robert Mueller will follow up on it any day now. Now, in interviewing, just to show you how nefarious this guy Mueller and his staff are, in interviewing General Flynn, they knew what General Flynn had discussed with the ambassador of Russia. They knew there wasn't any collusion. They knew as a matter of substance there wasn't any violation of anything. A traditional discussion, in this case it was about uh, the UN resolution that was being pushed by the Obama administration on the way out the door to eviscerate Israel. It was really the Obama administration at the last minute who was doing very, very untoward things that prior administrations had never done before. And it really doesn't even matter what Flynn discussed, unless he was hatching some criminal scheme, and he wasn't, because he wasn't charged with that. He didn't plead to that. So when they questioned General Flynn, they already knew about General Flynn. They already knew what he discussed with the Russian ambassador, so it was a setup. And unfortunately, General Flynn apparently fell under their trap. Now keep something in mind. General Flynn was fighting them tooth and nail, day in and day out, until he ran out of money, apparently, uh, until it was crushing the family emotionally. Uh, they were threatening his son, and he said, that's enough. So it's not like Mueller's really seeking the truth. Mueller's seeking uh, destiny and legacy. Mueller's acting out of power and politics. The goal, again, is to write some nasty document in some form and to, uh, to con- condemn the president who, after all, fired his dear friend Jim Comey. Now, as for the firing of uh, Comey, we all know that if Hillary Clinton had been president of the United States and fired Jim Comey, she would be lauded by the Democrats and the media. We also know one second before Donald Trump did, in fact, fire Jim Comey, the Democrats demanded his head. And then after Trump fired him, as I said at the time, they will use this. It's more important for them to now reverse course, prop up Comey, build him into some angelic figure, a uh, Joseph story, if you will, and then uh, go after Trump for obstruction. This has been their position from day one. We have a little montage of Democrats calling on Comey to resign before Trump fired him. This could have gone on for 20, 30 minutes, but we, we shorten it. Cut seven, go. The FBI director, okay, you violated these two protocols. That kind of an ambiguity bomb this close to election was a terrible lapse in judgment. I agree with Eric Holder. I think here, um, Director Comey made a great mistake. I call it an October betrayal of long-standing FBI protocol. He was acting in concert and coordination with the House Republicans. End of story. I think that uh, Comey acted in an outrageous way. Should he step down? I think he should take a hard look at uh, what he has done, uh, and I think it would not be a bad thing for the American people. Do you believe that uh, Jim Comey should resign, Senator Reid? Of course. All I can tell you is the FBI director has no credibility. The president ought to fire Comey immediately, and he ought to initiate an investigation. Maybe he's not in the right job. So... Yes, that was uh, her, Nancy. Pelosi, Nadler, Maxine Waters, Harry Reid, Bernie Sanders, James Carville, Barbara Boxer, John Lewis, Adam Schiff, Tim Kaine. They all condemned him. They all condemned who he was, what he had done. Several of them wanted him out. Trump fires him. And then they go, oh, the great Jim Comey? 
a professional, a man who's supposed to be independent from the president, which of course is absurd. The great, the great Jim Comey, oh my gosh, firing him. Trump must have fired him because he wanted to stop the Russia investigation. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no Russia investigation anymore. There's no Russia investigation. Robert Mueller is not conducting a Russia investigation. He's not conducting a collusion investigation. He's off to the races. He didn't find anything under the Russia collusion Trump rock. So he's looking under other rocks. There's no evidence whatsoever that they're conducting a Russia investigation. They're conducting a Trump impeachment investigation. They are an arm in effect, a legal arm of the Democrat Party in the House of Representatives in the United States Senate. Mr. Mr. Mueller is a special impeachment counsel. It's it. That's it. That's it. You can thank Rob Rosenstein, who appointed him and appointed him and gave him a wide berth in terms of what he could investigate and will not pull it back. The evidence is overwhelming that Mueller has moved on, that he's not conducting a Russia collusion investigation. It's also overwhelming on the political side when Democrat after Democrat after Democrat are now arguing obstruction of justice, not Russian collusion. They won't even use those phrases anymore. You couldn't stop them before. But now you see it's obstruction of an investigation of Russia. An investigation of nothing. There was nothing there, and one isn't even going on anymore. When we come back, I'll give you examples of that, too. I'll be right back. Mrs. Fields Cookies. Now, if you're like me, your favorite part of going to the mall as a kid was stopping by Mrs. Fields. It'll probably be your favorite part of going holiday shopping this year, too. Something about that first soft bite of the perfect chocolate chip cookie just makes you feel like a kid again. So this holiday season, you can give your friends and family that same feeling of pure joy with a holiday gift arrangement from Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Fields has been around for 40 years And her cookies are unbelievable. Everyone knows and loves them. Remember the very first time you had one? It's like you finally knew what a chocolate chip cookie should taste like. They're so soft and chocolatey. Just thinking about those cookies makes my mouth water. And Mrs. Fields' cookies, they're handmade, every one of them. They're freshly baked. They're ready to enjoy right out of the box. So everyone can have what they've always wanted right now. Now here, I have an exclusive for you. For you, my beloved listeners. Go to MrsFields.com, MrsFields.com. Do it right away. Click on the microphone at the upper right-hand corner and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. You know what happens? You save 20% on any Mrs. Fields product, including their best-selling Peace, Love, and Cookies tin, which comes with holiday favorites like Nibbler's Bite-Sized Cookies, Brownie Bites, and more. And I happen to know this is great because I ordered it for my family, and we had it during Thanksgiving. Just click on the microphone in a promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, to get 20% off site-wide at MrsFields.com, MrsFields.com. 
promo code LEVIN. Boy, oh boy, what a combination. They love to bake the cookies. I love to eat the cookies. All right, Mr. Producer, let's begin our painful march through liberal malcontent land. Diane Frankenfeinstein, I'll meet the depressed. Cut nine, go. As you know, I'm ranking on Judiciary, and the Judiciary Committee has an investigation going as well, uh, and it involves obstruction of justice. And I think what we're beginning to see is the putting together of a case of obstruction of justice. I think we see this in the indictments, mm-hmm. the four indictments and pleas uh, that are just... Whoa, 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 whoa. The case of Manafort Gates has to do with their financial activities in the past, well before this campaign. They're failing to report their uh, as foreign agents, which has never been successfully prosecuted, maybe once in the entire history of the country or the history of the uh, regulation. So that has nothing to do with obstruction. Uh, Mr. Patadopoulos, uh, his plea on... Um, one count of false statements. I, I, I hope everybody realizes, while it's important to tell the truth to federal authorities when you're asked, assuming you put yourself in a position where you're going to be asked without a lawyer, bad advice, but if that's what you do, um, you need to tell the truth. Now, that said, if you're looking into this broad systemic conspiracy of Russian involvement in the election to help elect Trump and the Trump people are all involved in it, This is Mickey Mouse stuff, absolute Mickey Mouse stuff for federal prosecutors. This is like the bottom rack. You can't go any lower than this. One false statement. It's not even perjury. You understand? It's not even obstruction. And they pulled the same thing with with the general, Flynn. There's no example of obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice of what? Go ahead. Of the comments that are being made, uh, I see it in the hyperphonetic uh, attitude of the White House, the comments every day, the continual tweets. The, um, see, ladies and gentlemen, she's laying out a case which would drive the framers absolutely crazy. She doesn't like Trump. She doesn't like his tweets. She doesn't like his comments. So she wants to remove him from office. They have always wanted to remove him from office because they never felt he should be in office. And not just him. Some of the dug-in fools that used to work for Bush, some of the dug-in fools that pretend to be conservatives, it's pathetic. They won't even stand up for the Constitution. They won't even stand up for what's right, even if they dislike the man, even if they disagree with the man. Go ahead. And I I see it most importantly in what happened uh, with the firing of uh, Director Comey. And it is my belief that that is directly because he did not agree uh, to lift the cloud of the Russia investigation. That's obstruction of justice. Isn't that incredible? She claims it's obstruction of justice. First of all, the Senate Judiciary Committee has no authority to do any criminal investigations. They're the legislative branch. You know what they do? They write stupid bills and they run up the debt. That's number one. Number two, it has nothing to do with obstruction of justice. There have been more investigations inside the executive branch and outside the executive branch of this so-called Russian collusion. She doesn't even use that phrase anymore. But if the firing of Jim Comey, the purpose of the firing of Jim Comey was to interfere with the Russian investigation, then why did Tim Game, uh, Tim Kame, Adam Schiff, John Lewis, Barbara Boxer, James Carville, Bernie Sanders, Harry Reid, Maxine Waters, Gerald Nadler, and Nancy Pelosi favor firing... Jim Comey. 
Were they obstructing with some investigation, too? Of Russia? I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. These programs require three hours. I apologize. We have to take our time and march through this stuff. Our number, 877-381-3811, The senior levels of the FBI have been politically corrupted. If that's what the president meant, the president is correct. And it amazes me. The media had no problem when Barack Melhouse, Hussein Obama, and Herrick, I'm held in contempt, Holder, were trashing local law enforcement. We're nationalizing local law enforcement. We're racializing local law enforcement and so forth and so on. That was considered magnificent, an advancement for civil rights and so forth and so on. When this president points out what is obvious to everybody now, that the senior levels, I'll interpret what he was saying because I believe it's correct, the senior levels of the FBI are politically corrupted, I don't think there's any question about it. You had... McCabe, the number two FBI director involved in the investigation of Hillary Clinton, at the same time, his wife's running for state senate in Virginia with the backing of a Hillary Clinton friend, counsel, advisor, and political uh, you know, supporter. That is Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat governor of uh, Virginia. And he poured through his various organizations and so forth half a million dollars into a state senate campaign. McCabe didn't tell anybody. It was later found out. And of course he should have recused himself from everything. But he didn't. Now we see the lead investigator in the Hillary Clinton espionage case who gave her a pass, who who rewrote the statute from um, gross negligence in the handling of classified information to specific intent in order to save her. The lead investigator, where there were 20 or so top witnesses who weren't interviewed why a memo was being prepared by Comey to let her off the hook. Incredible, right? The lead investigator is a Trump hater. Not only was the lead investigator in the espionage case, he's been a lead investigator for Mueller, at least up till and through much of the summer, on Donald Trump world. Turns out he's texting anti-Trump stuff with a lawyer in the FBI who is having an affair with, an extramarital affair with, and the FBI still hasn't released the texts, and Mr. Mueller still hasn't released the texts. As a matter of fact, this whole sordid spectacle of the politicization of the senior levels of the FBI and the politicization of the special counsel's office has been kept from the House Intelligence Committee where the chairman, a hero, I think, Devin Nunes, has been demanding for months to know why this specific FBI agent was removed from his job. He's been trying to get to the bottom of that. Adam Schiff doesn't give a damn. The Democrats don't care. They probably 
cheer this FBI agent. But Mr. Mueller never told him. In fact, isn't it interesting? In the same 24-hour period, the New York Times and the Washington Post both came out with a story about this FBI agent saying almost the same thing, essentially the same thing. That is a leak from Mr. Mueller or his office or the top levels of the FBI to position, to position this, this outrageous event. In addition to having a, an FBI agent like this on staff. Don't tell me they just found out about it. It was the inspector general who found the texts. The, the Justice Department inspector general. Mueller has hired people who have exactly the same viewpoint. Nine of his 16 prosecutors, 16, donated to either or both the Obama and Hillary Clinton campaigns. Now, why would you bring people on like that? Well, we know why. He wanted them not only to be among the hack, the greatest hacks out there, but he wanted them to be ideologically identical to himself, because he is, after all, the special impeachment counsel. So when the president talked about the FBI, he was correct, and it was fascinating to see Eric Holder jump to uh, the defense of the FBI. Eric Holder, who has eviscerated law enforcement, Eric Holder, who was held in contempt by Congress, all of a sudden, he's a character witness. He has no... No reputation, or the extent he has when it's a lousy reputation. Trashing law enforcement his entire career. Now they act like they're pro-law enforcement. And it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, this FBI agent, this top agent, his name is not an easy one. It's S-T-R-Z-O-K. Zarsak. Zarsak. Peter Zarsak. Top level. One of the great FBI investigators were assured by the New York Times and the Washington Post. Uh, but he couldn't get Hillary. Helen Keller could have gotten Hillary, but he couldn't get Hillary. And Trump, obstruction. Obstruction of what? And you see, here's what happened. Trump disrupted these politically corrupt or the politically corrupt levels of the FBI. He disrupted it by firing Comey. They were happy. They were, they were doing their thing. And he fired the guy. And now they're striking back. They're striking back. They've got their buddy Mueller in there, a former FBI director. They are, they're defending Comey, a former FBI director. They're leaking like hell all over the place. And of course, the contemptible Praetorian Guard media, rather than seeing the tyranny of all this, Celebrates it, because they hate Trump. They want him out, by all means. So Devin Nunes, who is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, has been demanding information for months about this situation, and he has to read about it in the New York Times and the Washington Post. New York Times and Washington Post. Obstruction, you see. You heard Feinstein. Diane Frankenfeinstein will meet the depressed. Now, Senator Richard Blumenthal, who is a regular guest on the Morning Schmo and Mr. Schmo show, even though the man lied through his teeth about being a Vietnam combat veteran. Yeah, look at this schmo. Vietnam combat veteran? 
Anyway, uh, here he is, Senator Blumenthal. Cut 10, go. We're at a real testing time for this country when people are going to either speak up and stand up and challenge the president of the United States or they won't. The White House is a very heady place. Power is a very powerfully addictive drug. And Donald Trump is a very formidable personality. But Stop. So, so far he has said nothing of substance. Rambling on like a homeless person. Go ahead. To stand up to him, and I hope my Republican colleagues in the United States Senate will take the lead on this issue and also on obstruction of justice. There is a credible case of obstruction of justice against Donald Trump. So all the Democrats in the Senate have met, and now this is it, and in the House, obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice. The intent here is to take out this president in a silent coup, but also in the meantime to paralyze him. To paralyze him, his senior staff, his administration, people looking over their shoulders, people pointing fingers at each other, people leaking against each other. It's to disrupt this administration. It is straight out of the Marxist playbook. It really is. Alinsky, more than Alinsky. It is to disrupt a legitimate administration, legitimately elected, no Russian collusion, and to create criminal behavior. Create criminal outcomes. Create, concoct impeachable offenses. This is the silent coup I've been talking about. And of course, on the morning schmo with that big dope, they're given voice. Because he doesn't give a crap about the country either. He thinks Manhattan is the whole country. Representative Ted Lieu, another schmo. Out of California, also on MSNBC. Cut 11, go. So there appears to be two tracks here. You can go down the legal track or you can go down the political track towards impeachment. Which one do you think uh, is the president, or should the president be more concerned about? This woman's name is Alex Witt, a.k.a. Alex Witt-Liss. Look at the assumptions in her question. I'm telling you, folks. The left is playing with fire. The media are playing with fire. The Democrats are playing with fire. They go through with this. One third of the country. Because one third is, you know, oblivious to everything. And the other third is, of course, out to turn America into something else. They're going to have one third of this country in such an anger mode, such fury. They're playing with fire. Because they will not accept a four-year term for this man who was elected legitimately and hasn't committed any crimes and hasn't violated the Constitution. Not even close. Not even close. The reason in the first hour I played what I said back then was to point out that this is all a subterfuge. It is a pretext to remove a man from office. You know... There's only a handful of honest liberals left. Why do you think Dershowitz is all over TV on this stuff? He sees exactly what I see. Why do you think McCarthy's writing there at National Review? He sees exactly what I see. I see exactly what they see. And I can go on and on and on. You think Dershowitz voted for Trump? He voted for Hillary. I think McCarthy was a never-Trumper. I can't remember. He's a dear friend of mine. 
We all see it. This is an attack on republicanism. It is an, it is an illegitimate attack on an illegitimate president. Now, we put up with Obama for eight years, but they refuse. They refuse to accept Trump. That's exactly what's going on. Go ahead. I think it's closer to him right now. Well, we know that for Richard Nixon, he was not brought down because of the underlying crimes. He was brought down for obstruction of justice. That was the first article of impeachment. The second article was dereliction of duty. And we're seeing that here today. We're seeing the President of the United States commit obstruction of justice. This in is absolutely v- incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Richard Nixon directed a cover-up of the Watergate break-in. They even moved monies around from the campaign to re-elect the president, or creep as they call it. And maybe it is that Mueller thinks he's Archibald Cox or whomever. But Ted Lieu is an idiot. But it doesn't matter if he's an idiot. This is what they're doing. Go ahead. And I think we should let Special Counsel Mueller's investigation continue forward. He is getting closer uh, every day that goes by, and it may be a very... See, Mueller hears this stuff, and he loves it. He says, here we got the Democrats. They support us. Let's keep plowing ahead. After all, most of my staff made up of Democrats. They they feel the same way and so forth. And we got to get to the bottom of this crime, ladies and gentlemen. What crime? What crime? What does Trump have to hide? Nothing. Then we have Adam Schiff, a regular on ABC and the rest of these programs. Stephanopoulos. Here's the irony here. This is one of the reasons you have nothing but contempt for the media. Stephanopoulos was a hatchet man for Clinton. And now you have Stephanopoulos dressed up as a journalist speaking to a hatchet man for Pelosi. Adam Schiff. So I told you, don't watch any TV this weekend. There's no point in it. Cut 12, go. His attorneys are starting to take it a step further. Jay Sekulow to The New Yorker, Jeffrey Tubin to The New Yorker, laying the groundwork that collusion, even if it were shown, is not a crime. Well, it's not a crime. Do you have a, uh, first of all, it hasn't been shown. Secondly, it's not a crime. This isn't an antitrust case. Doesn't even mean anything. What do we mean by collusion? Go ahead. The president has to deny something three times in a row uh, raises a profound question about whether it's true. Now, here, I think you see the most palpable evidence of a collusion in terms of violating the Logan Act. Okay, so now we have the Logan Act. The Logan Act. Most of you never heard of the Logan Act. Passed in 1799. The goal was to discourage individual citizens from claiming to negotiate foreign policy on behalf of the new country. Fairly new country. It's nothing to do with what took place here. You have an incoming president with a transition team where uh, Flynn is asked to reach out to a number of governments, including the Russian government, but not exclusively the Russian government, on behalf of the incoming administration. The Logan Act doesn't even have any application to this. But Adam Schiff is a hack. And so they give him voice on ABC News. They should dismiss these people as nutty. But they won't dismiss them as nutty because they want you to hear them. Go ahead. Now, I agree that's not likely to be prosecuted, but let's look at that. You have the Trump transition conspiring in private with the Russians to subvert the bipartisan policy of the United States. 
which was to sanction Russia over its interference Can in Can you believe election. this guy was once a prosecutor? I feel sorry for anybody that had to deal with this guy. So the Trump transition is conspiring in private with the Russians to subvert the bipartisan policy of the United States. Did not Mr. Toner, the former Obama spokesman, three days before the president was sworn in, say that they have no problem with uh, the the incoming uh, administration speaking with people like that that's done all the time and so forth and so on? And yet Mr. Schiff finds a conspire the a conspiracy in private with the Russians to subvert the bipartisan policy of the United States. Go ahead. And so the question becomes if they're willing to work secretly and privately at odds with US policy during the transition. I right, forget that. Go to cut thirteen. Go. And if Michael Flynn were to testify that this these contacts with the Russians were directed by the president? What would that tell you? Because we all know that during transitions, administrations have contacts with foreign officials all the time. Well, what that would tell me is that uh, one of the reasons that he was intervening, the president that is, with James, Com- uh, with James Comey, was that he knew that this would come to light uh, and that uh, he wanted to protect Mike He knew Flynn. that it would come to light? That he directed a subordinate to talk with a, with a foreign government? That's perfectly legitimate. Otherwise, we got to bring Barack Obama into court and put him in prison. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want you to hear Susan Collins. You tell me she isn't a saboteur. I'll meet the press. Cut 14. Go. I'm curious, the scope, does it does it include the transition? Because I know the scope's about the campaign. Does that include the transition? Yes. You believe the scope should. of the Intel Committee does include the transition? Everything up till January 20th or, or even it, more? It not only includes the transition period, it includes the campaign period. Right. And that's why we're looking at the conversations that occurred during that period as well. Do you have a sense of where... Mueller is in his probe? Do you feel as if this is the end of the beginning, beginning of the end? Where, do you guys have a sense of the length of this probe right now? Although we're in touch, or the chairman is in touch with uh, the special counsel, it's very difficult to say, but clearly he is making progress. He's had guilty pleas from two individuals. He's had two other indictments. So he is making progress. He's making progress? This idiot is part of the problem. It's absolutely unbelievable. I'll be right back. Conservative and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. Now, prior to last Friday, I seem to recall, there were daily reports of uh, politicians and Hollywood types, mostly liberals, mostly Democrats, who were exposing themselves, who were giving sex toys to each other, who had buttons under their desk to lock the door from within in order to uh, molest interns and things of that sort. Apparently, that doesn't go on anymore, Mr. Producer. Apparently, it's all cleaned up. 
the, as they call it, sexual harassment training, that was pretty fast. And so we don't hear about members of Congress now. We don't hear about people in Hollywood molesting, groping, assaulting, battering. We don't hear it anymore. Uh, Because now, this week, it's obstruction of justice week. All these Democrats, and you can Google them yourselves, all these Democrats, one after another, who wanted Comey out, were they obstructing justice? When they were pressuring for Comey to leave, demanding his head, were they obstructing justice? Were they obstructing the investigation to Hillary Rotten Clinton? And her violations, serial, multiple violations of the Espionage Act. Were they obstructing justice, ladies and gentlemen? Should they be expelled? When they're not committing uh, acts of sexual molestation. Getting a good night's sleep, that's easier said than done, of course. Especially if you hear a noise downstairs. What do you do in that situation? You could turn on all the lights and keep watch. You can sleep with one eye open. Or you can rest easy, knowing that your home and family are protected with Simply Safe. Each Simply Safe system is a complete security arsenal with motion sensors, glass break sensors, entry sensors, and a high definition security camera. You'll have everything you need to keep your family safe. Order Simply Safe online in just minutes. Have it on your doorstep this week. Set it up in under an hour. No tools, no hard wiring. Just open the box, plug it in. You'll be protected with professional home security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts, there are no hidden fees. And 24 7 professional monitoring is just $14.99 a month. Get Simply Safe and get some rest. Go to simplysafemark.com and get a special 10% discount when you order today. That's simplysafemark.com for 10% off your order. Simplysafemark.com. I guess they changed it again, huh, Mr. Producer? I thought you had to go to simplysafemark.com and enter code MARK. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I suspect you need to go to simplysafemark.com and enter code MARK. Just as a matter of logic. I know there's a lot to go through here, but it is very tawdry what's taking place. Very tawdry. Now, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, yes, yes, stretch. Nancy Pelosi, of course, is uh, she's trying to call these people off from impeachment. You remember back in November. No, 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 don't, don't talk about impeachment right now. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Wait till we take the House. Wait till we take the House. Remember her? Cut 15, go. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says that if you and the Democrats take the House back in 2018, the first thing you will do is impeach President Trump. Is that true? No. I I believe that whatever we do, we have a responsibility, first and foremost, to unify the nation. Second of all, you can't go down any path without the facts and the law. If that's there, perhaps it will come out in these investigations. All right, so you get the drift. You get the drift. So, uh, but we know Maxine Waters has been out there day in and day out. I'm not going to waste your time with her. Now, you've probably heard by now four or five thousand times about Brian Ross and ABC's World News Tonight on Friday. 
If you listen to my radio show on Friday, you'll know I called him out immediately because he had the timeline wrong. Remember that, Mr. Producer? Called him out immediately. He was reporting that the President of the United States told Flynn to contact the Russians during the course of the election. Now, if he had, that's still not illegal or unconstitutional retroactively. Look, look how we have to talk about this nonsense. Turns out it was December 29th, as I recall, which would be well after the election and soon before the president's swearing in an inauguration. That would be Trump. Most of the major media ran with this, even though Brian Ross had one anonymous source, probably the ghost that sits on his shoulder. And they ran with it and ran with it. And here's cut 19. Here's what he said, as I recall. Go. He has promised full cooperation to the Mueller team. He's prepared to testify, we are told by a confidant, against President Trump, against members of the Trump family, and others in the White House. He's prepared to testify that President Trump, as a candidate, Donald Trump, ordered him, directed him to make contact with the Russians, which contradicts all that Donald Trump has said at this point. All right, as that's well, enough. So obviously he didn't do that. And, Donald, and Brian Ross has a habit of making things up as I pointed out Friday, and I pointed out Friday how wrong he was, that that's not, that's not the, the, uh, what's been reported. That's not what took place in open court either. So it was wrong. So then they had to clarify, cut tw- uh, 20, go. And David, a clarification tonight on something one of Flynn's confidants told us and we reported earlier today. He said the president had asked Flynn to contact Russia during the campaign. He's now clarifying that, saying, according to Flynn, candidate Trump asked him during the campaign to find ways to repair relations with Russia and other hotspots. And then after the election, the president-elect asked him to, and told him to contact Russia on issues, including working together to fight ISIS. Oh, working together to fight ISIS? We can't do that. But anyway, the guy's a buffoon. He's an absolute buffoon. He's been suspended without pay for four weeks. He should be fired. He should not have a job again in journalism. He should be a tenured you know, professor somewhere where you can do this sort of stuff. Although apparently they can do it in the media too. All right, Mr. Producer, your call on the calls as I don't have my call screen up. Who do you recommend? Now, do we have anybody who disagrees with my genius so far? Yeah. Ian in New York, the great WABC. Go. I'd like to. James Comey testified before Congress that Trump told him any bad satellites that are in my orbit, go after them. That sounds like somebody that's not obstructing the man. And then the FBI agent, all these liberals wanted to push the agenda that Comey was looking for more money to go where, and, and Trump fired him because he was looking for more money. And the head FBI agent testified before Congress that that's not the case. It did not go down like that. It had nothing to do with the investigation. Investigation of of being looked at. So Comey is just a flat out liar, and that that's already just like Clapper, just like Brennan, all three of them. They're they're liars, and they get caught up. How are you obstructing? What's impeachable when you tell somebody the opposite? Go after anybody around me that's doing something bad. That's what he told Comey, and Comey because I got it, got it, got it. You already said it, and those are excellent points, Ian. Excellent points. Thomas, Somerset, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. 
Hey, Mark, thank you. First of all, I wish you really good health in the, in the upcoming year. We really need you to fight to the left. But I called mainly about to compare Robert Mueller to that previous rogue prosecutor named Michael Nifon from some years ago when he, when he faked up that case against the Duke lacrosse players when the evidence was clearly not there and he ended up getting prosecuted himself. I really think there's the man that could stop this, Mark, is really the man that started it all. And I know you think highly of him, but Jeff Sessions put us in this hot water and needs to get us out of it. What do you think? Well, what kind of question is that? What do you want him to do? Now that he's recused himself, you want him to unrecuse himself? No, I want him to say that Robert Mueller is acting in a fictitious and malicious way and needs to step down. Okay, and then what? And Mueller says, screw you. And, well, we need we need to overpower him. I, I, I mean, you would know better than me. Well, you're asking me questions. I can't make things up. I would know better than you. Let's walk through this together and see how, how rational your argument is. The guy, Sessions, recuses himself. If you listen to this program, you know I strongly disagreed with that, didn't I? So he recused himself. So the acting attorney general is Rob Rosenstein, who appoints Mueller. I strongly oppose that, too. Now you say, well, Sessions should denounce it. Well, what are, where does that get us? And then you say, well, you know what he can do. Well, what can he do? Nothing. The lead attorney in the United States, he needs to... He's not the lead attorney in the United States on this matter because he recused himself. Well, but if, if, if Mueller... So to answer your question, so you can make some sense out of this, it would be the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, who is the acting Attorney General for these purposes, who can fire Mueller. Thank you. I was looking for it to, to connect the dots for me, but Mueller's acting illegally and needs to go. Well, he's not acting illegally. He's appointed unconstitutionally, and you're asking the guys who appointed him unconstitutionally to fire him for acting the way he's acting. You understand? If he's acting... Thanks for your call. I'm getting a headache. Getting a headache. Getting a headache. Think about it logically. Why would the guy who appointed him fire him? The guy who appointed him obviously wanted him. The guy who appointed him gave him this, 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 this wide, broad berth for investigating. He doesn't view Mueller acting illegally as we do. So I don't understand the question. What I mean, there's no answer to it. The president has the power to fire Mueller. They'd impeach him in two seconds. Listen to Susan Collins. The Republicans would bail on the president. The same Republicans, in many respects, who want him to fail in the first place. <clears throat> Sessions is recused. Does he sound like, in any respect, in any of the interviews he's done, that he's going to undo that? No. So legally, who's left? The Deputy Attorney General who appointed Mueller. Does it sound like he's going to do anything? No. I'm not here to make smiley faces. I'm here to deal with reality. I'm dealing with reality. The main thing that has to happen here is to hold the House of Representatives. To hold it. Now, does that get you to the polls? Does that excite you? It ought to. Not because they're so great. But because you want to uphold the republic, you want to uphold the Constitution. 
But to argue with me and go back and say the very people who created this scenario, the people who need to get us out of this scenario, that's not going to happen. That's childish. It's just not going to happen. You can repeat it over and over again. Call me and repeat it over and over again. It's not going to happen. Ed, Garden Grove, California, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hi, fine. Thank you, Mark Levin. Uh, I am retired medically from Marine Corps. Did eight years and got hurt. Thank you, sir. And very much. The, the, the only thing I got to say is that Republicans have been brain dead. Mark, they got to listen to you. We got to go to the polls. Yeah, well. But let me tell you one more thing. When these Democrats start inventing lies like they have been of collusion, when they very well opened up our borders and are derelict in keeping us safe, and also what can, they can I give you more? Is the Democrats have a decades-long history of colluding, colluding with the Soviet Union. That's true, too, sir. Did that ever bother them before? I'm sorry. That never bothered them before. They undermined our uh, our effort in Vietnam. They uh, they undermined Reagan when he was trying to uh, defeat the Soviet Union through uh, economic might, and uh, they called it Star Wars, the Strategic Defense Initiative. Uh, when he wanted to put those Trident missiles in uh, in Europe, in Germany in particular, uh, they were <coughs> they were part of the nuclear freeze movement. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, they they gave a lot of aid and comfort to the Soviet Union. Now all of a sudden, they're concerned about Russia. Let me ask you a question, sir. Who was it that paid for the dossier? Where the British ex-British spy worked with Kremlin apparatchiks to take out a president? To take out a nominee. Was that not the Hillary Clinton campaign, sir? Yes, it was. Was that not the Democratic National Committee, sir? It sure was. Was that not a Democrat lawyer by the name of Mark Elias, I think his name is, the uh, bag man, the straw man, the go-between, to cover up for Hillary Clinton and the DNC? Was that not him? It sure was, sir. Okay, there's our Russian collusion right there, is it not? Yes, sir. And we also got collusion with opening the borders. He went with Jorge Ramos. All right, all right, all right. Let's stick with Russia now, because that's what they're calling. Tell me, was it Trump or his children or his second cousin twice removed? Or was it Trump and his campaign officials or his uh, transition officials who were cutting a deal with Vladimir Putin to get control of 20% of America's uranium production? Tell me, which party did that? The Democratic Party, sir. Tell me, which candidate as Secretary of State did that? As Secretary of State. Hillary Clinton. So there's your collusion. Collusion number two. Is that under investigation? No. It's not under investigation. And I can go on and on about these creeps. Thank you for your call. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Decision a couple hours ago by the United States Supreme Court. The vote was seven to two, with Ruth Bader, ACLU Ginsburg, and Sonia Leftwinger Sotomayor, the two. The Associated Press: The Supreme Court is allowing the Trump administration to fully enforce a ban on travel to the United States by residents of six mostly Muslim countries. Of course, the AP would prefer if they're mostly Jewish or mostly Christian or mostly secular, but so be it. 
The justices, with two dissenting votes, said that the policy can take full effect even as legal challenges against it make their way through the courts. The action suggests the high court could uphold the latest version of the ban that Trump announced in September. The ban applies to travelers from Chad, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen. By the way, none of them is even close to the country with the largest Muslim population. So there are about 20 other countries, majority Muslim populations, give or take, that are not even covered. But of course, the Lib media will never tell you that. What's that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Folks, Uber disclosed a breach of 57 million passengers and drivers' records. Hackers accessed personal information like names and driver's license numbers of the drivers and names and email addresses and phone numbers of passengers. Though this breach was just recently announced, this personal information was actually stolen over a year ago. Over a year ago. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can be stolen in ways you may not detect. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, threats you may miss by just monitoring your credit, like someone stealing from your 401k or committing a crime in your name. And if there's a problem, a U.S.-based identity restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more threats to your identity. Here's what I want you to do. Go to LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code LEVIN, that's LEVIN, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com and save 10% now. So there's no fanfare. There's no breathless reporting by the media that the Supreme Court of the United States, not 5 to 4, 7 to 2, agrees with Donald Trump, with Donald Trump on his last iteration of the travel ban. Overruling multiple federal district judges appointed by Obama and certain appellate courts like the Ninth. Understand, the Supreme Court 7-2 upheld Donald Trump's decision, his executive order. For weeks, for weeks it went on. What a racist he is. They just upheld it. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, I'm trying to get... Our Levin TV episode for uh, tonight up early because it's going to be in front of the subscriber wall. The entire episode, which is almost an hour, will be free to everybody as I dig into this Mueller uh, impeachment, obstruction of justice, and all the rest of it. uh, Because I think it's so important. I want all of you to have access to it. So as soon as we get it, we will link to it. Uh, Mr. Producer, why don't you continue to look into that, if you will? I would appreciate it. Now, we will continue to move. The President of the United States did something that is fantastic again today. This is another reason why they want to get rid of him. 
the uh, so-called monument designation under the Antiquities Act has been abused by almost every president, but especially Barack Obama. This is where they take millions of acres of land, seize it from state governments, seize it from private property owners, and the federal government decides it's going to manage it. Now, I can tell you as the deputy solicitor of the Interior Department many, many decades ago, the federal government does not have the capacity to manage all this land. It simply does not. It barely manages properly what it already has. It cannot. And so the President of the United States gave multi-millions of acres back to the state of Utah. I don't know that this has ever been done, but it is a wonderful thing. They have used this law to lock up hundreds of millions of acres of land and water under strict federal government control that most people are not allowed to use. Now, there are people out there who will say this is a great thing. It's a great thing that a president, like a dictator, can suddenly say all this land is going to belong to the federal government. Really? Well, you know, we need to keep land pristine out there. We need to have some areas that are pristine. You want to know why my book, Liberty and Tyranny, sold over 1.5 million copies? Not ghost-written, not researched by others, and all the rest of it. It's because of the information that's in it. I go back to it all the time, even though it's getting old. Homeowners, framer, uh, farmers, businesses are subjected to a host of government restrictions and prohibitions that reduce the use and value of their properties, including laws relating to wetlands and endangered species. Among the most, most far-reaching enviro-statist strategies is smart growth where urban planners develop comprehensive zoning initiatives that purport to bring man back into balance with the ecosystem by severely restricting private property rights. And their focus is typically suburban sprawl. The urban planner's purpose is to force populations into increasingly limited, dense areas, drive cars off the roads, and increase use of public transportation or bicycle and pedestrian paths, bring the home and office closer together, establish a communal existence. Just how problematic is suburban sprawl, or for that matter, development generally? In 2002, 15 years ago, the Heritage Foundation, I would encourage the Heritage Foundation to update this now, the Heritage Foundation's Dr. Ronald Utt examined the federal government's land use surveys, and here's what he concluded. After nearly 400 years of unmanaged development and rabbit-like population growth, somewhere between, listen to this, because you'll know it and nobody else will, Somewhere between 3.4% and 5.2% of land in the continental United States has been consumed. You wouldn't know that. Because the illiterates in the media, who are the mouthpieces for the left, want you to believe that we're running out of land. After nearly 400 years of unmanaged development and rabbit-like population growth, somewhere between 3.4 and 5.2% of land in the continental United States has been consumed. But what of the heavily urbanized states, which include several of the original colonies? Ut looked at them specifically. And he said in both New York and Virginia, 
which were settled in the early 1600s. Nearly 90% of the land is still undeveloped. While in Pennsylvania, the share is over 85%. And in Maryland, it's over 80%. In contrast, both New Jersey and Rhode Island's developed areas hover at around one-third of the available land. Some of the highest shares in the nation, but still leaving both states with about two-thirds of their land undeveloped or in agricultural use. But that's not good enough, you see. And this is in 2002. I suggest to you it's gotten a lot worse since in terms of land that's been taken out of public use, uh, uh, private use rather. 25% or more of American land, of American, is controlled by the federal government. By the federal government. And it's inching closer and closer to 30%. This is how presidents try to make, a, uh, in part, a legacy for themselves. It's an enormous amount of land. You look at some of these, these states out west, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona. You know, you're talking over 50% of the land mass. Over 50%. That's truly crazy. Absolutely crazy. And if you don't support this, well, what are you, an idiot? You don't believe in protecting the land and the animal? Of course we do. But we don't want to give up 25, 30, 35%, 40% of America to the federal government. The federal government doesn't manage things well. The federal government doesn't manage parks well, as a matter of fact. I can tell you this. I know I'm quite familiar with the Department of the Interior. Federal government doesn't manage wilderness areas well. It's the same federal government, the same rules, the same bureaucracy, the same civil service uh, regulations and so forth that apply to these people. They always claim they don't have enough money and they don't have enough manpower. Well, of course. Now, here's the president. Let's go to Cut 22 in Utah, in in, uh, Salt Lake City today. Cut 22, go. Because some people think that the natural resources of Utah should be controlled by a small handful of very distant bureaucrats located in Washington. And guess what? They're wrong. The families and communities of Utah know and love this land the best, and you know the best how to take care of your land. You know how to protect it. And you know best how to conserve this land for many, many generations to come. Your timeless bond with the outdoors should not be replaced with the whims of regulators thousands and thousands of miles away. They don't know your land. And truly, they don't care for your land like you do. But from now on, that won't matter. I've come to Utah to take a very historic action to reverse federal overreach and restore the rights of this land to your citizens. What the president's doing here is outstanding. What the president did and won in the Supreme Court on uh, temporary limitations 
on immigration from certain uh, countries, given their uh, their terrorist activities or their lack of a friendly government, the lack of any government, was outstanding, and it was upheld by the Supreme Court today. When I met with the president a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't planning on meeting with him, but the vice president took me over there to meet with him. We had a wonderful meeting, and among other things, I told him he's what I've told you folks on the air. He is the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. Since Ronald Reagan. Neither of the Bushes would have done what Trump did today. And he and his legal team fought like hell all the way to the Supreme Court uh, to defeat these uh, these rogue district court judges and the rogue Ninth Circuit when it came to a, a, a what is a, a garden variety executive order which is intended to protect the American people when it comes to certain uh, uh, countries and immigration. He fought them all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won. McGahn, his counsel, Sessions, the Attorney General in this case, excellent. Excellent. It would be nice if uh, some of the Bushies would acknowledge this, but they won't. Or some of the never-Trumpers would acknowledge this, but they won't. See, I'm an always America, and always Republic, and always Constitution. That's what I am. I don't have to agree with Trump on everything, but I find myself agreeing with him on a hell of a lot. I really do. I really do. I disagree with this whole tax scheme that the House and Senate have come up with and that he supports, and I say so. But boy, oh boy, he does a lot of things that I strongly agree with on a policy front when it comes to the courts, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to North Korea and Iran and Israel, uh, when it comes to regulations. He's got the right mindset on taxes. Unfortunately, the Republicans aren't delivering the right bills. They just aren't. He's the right mindset on Obamacare. And I'll tell you what I told him, because this is not violating confidence in this regard. I won't tell you anything else. But what I told him was, you know, Mr. President, I've said this to you on the air. And I've said, I've told my listeners, you're not a philosophical conservative, per se. You're not a, an ideological nationalist populist. You're a man who's 70 years old, who's lived life, was a Democrat, then a Reform Party guy, I believe, then a Republican. <clears throat> and you look at these things, and your conclusions are conservative conclusions. Given all your experience, what you went through in the campaign now, how you reason these things. And he didn't disagree with me. There are people who seek to project themselves onto this prayer. Oh, he's the most conservative president. He doesn't really view himself that way. Oh, he's a nationalist populist. He doesn't really view himself that way either. He views himself, I think, I'm not speaking for him, but when I was there, as I explained it. And as it turns out, <clears throat> when you mature, when you think, for all of us, think things through, look at human experience, America's experience, think about liberty, think about these things, you tend to be a conservative. Because conservatism is about a, the 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 improvement of American life, of human life, I should say. Improvement of human life, based on experience. 
And I think that's the case with this president. And so what he's done here is outstanding with respect to Utah. Obama did a lot of these things the way out the door. When he, when he was dealing with Israel, when he was dealing with Utah, when he's doing these things, he just piled them up, piled them up, piled up regulation after regulation. He wanted to enshrine these things and pose them on the future government and so forth. And Trump has said, no, I'm not putting up with it. I got rid of your FBI guy. <clears throat> I don't have to keep your FBI guy. I'm the president of the United States. I don't have to keep your immigration policies. I don't have to keep these regulations. I'm going to give Utah and the people of Utah their land back. And I think this week, I read somewhere Wednesday, he may well do something else that's incredibly historic. Not just for this country, but for the world. He may recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That's a big deal. Maybe with the embassy to follow, but that's a big deal. You wouldn't have gotten that out of Jeb Bush or Lindsey Graham, or John Kasich, or anybody else that I can think of. Maybe Cruz, I'm not sure. But I know Trump, if he follows through with these reports, he will have done it. He will have done what none of the others would have done. By the way, including Reagan. And maybe it wasn't the time during Reagan. Maybe it was. But it is the time now. And Hamas is threatening, and the Arab countries are threatening. Too bad. Too damn bad. They're not happy unless every Christian and every Jew is removed from the Middle East. That they can claim control over every piece of property, every ancestral site, and then they'll kill each other. Which is their history. No offense, that's a fact. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Lindsay, Wyoming on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Um, first off, I want to start by saying we love you here in Wyoming. And Thank it's you. And it's an honor to speak with the great one. Thank you. Um, what we wanted to say was we thought what Trump did today was wonderful and historic and such a great thing for Utah, and we're just really hoping that he can do that for Wyoming also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be great, but of course he's coming under attack, as he does. Anytime you start to even, even a little bit, unravel what the progressives have done, you go against the uh, the grain. You'll even be attacked by people who claim to be supporters. Here's what's going on, Lindsay. Most people in the country have never been to Wyoming. They don't know what's in Wyoming. They don't know what Wyoming produces. Most people in the country want gasoline when they immediately. They, They assume it'll be at the pump. They want oil immediately to heat their homes. They assume it'll be in their homes. It's like going into grocery stores. We assume the meat's going to be there. We assume the fish is going to be there. We assume that the the wine, I don't drink, but the wine's going to be there. We assume everything's going to be there, the fruit, the vegetables. But nobody wants to really know how these things come to be. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to know how they get a wrapped package of meat, beef. I don't want to know. Nobody wants to know, you know, uh, what it takes to produce these things. They just want it. They want it immediately, and they want it cheap. Well, guess what? Some people have to actually start the process. 
Some people have to raise the cattle. Some people have to have to raise the corn, grow the corn and the wheat. Some people have to transport it. You like gasoline? Some people have to drill for oil. Some people have to drill for natural gas. It has to be refined somewhere. And then it has to be trucked or trained somewhere. This is how we get our stuff for a consumer society. But nobody wants to know. So these presidents come in. They just start nationalizing this, nationalizing that, taking it out of the control of the states. People can't even use these lands anymore because we're told, oh, we're using all our land. I just gave the statistics that demonstrate quite the opposite. That's what's going on. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad I've convinced you. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. i got to go to Wyoming one day. I want to go to Wyoming. I want to go to Montana. I want to go to these places. South Dakota, North Dakota, I mean, it has to be the summertime, don't get me wrong, when I go to those places. These are places I want to go to. I already told my wife, when we retire, we're going to get an RV and we're going to travel some of these places. All right, folks, I'll be right back. Levin was a kid. His teachers didn't like his snide sense of humor. Today, they still don't like it. Call Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. You know, uh, I'd say it's embarrassing, but I guess it's not. When I hear our folks, so-called conservatives, and I don't hear them a lot, but now and then on TV or radio, say things like, well, the bureaucracy is getting bigger and bigger, and the courts are getting bigger and bigger and far more powerful, and democracy is getting smaller and smaller, withering on the vine. I scratch my head. Where have these people been? I think I mention this in every single book I've ever written, except Rescuing Sprite, from Men in Black and Liberty and Tyranny all the way through my current book, Rediscovering Americanism, which came out this summer. I have an entire chapter, The Administrative State Tyranny. But through all the books, Ameritopia, the Liberty Amendments, the whole point of the Liberty Amendments, one of the Reform Amendments is to address this permanent administrative state, or the swamp, as, as the President and others call it. This, is, this has been a, 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 a point I've underscored now since I've had a microphone, since I've written books, since I've you know, been a public figure, even before that, that this is a grave danger. And you hear me on the radio talk about this constantly. When the left wins elections, they claim to have a mandate. When the left loses elections, they turn to the unelected parts of the government, the courts and the bureaucracy. Even in Rediscovering Americanism, my latest book, I have an entire list in there showing how many laws were made by Congress from 2003 to 2016, and how many laws came out from the bureaucracy. It is shocking. It is stunning how little of what goes on in this country has anything to do with republicanism. Anything to do with republicanism. Then I talk to people, conservatives, including some in think tanks, who tell me, if we would just elect more republicans, elect more republicans. Well, yes, things will be better, perhaps, but we have this unelected stuff. 
Now, we're celebrating the 7-2 decision by the U.S. Supreme Court a few hours ago, upholding the president's uh, final iteration of his, uh, of his immigration uh, limits on these six uh, mostly Muslim countries. And yet we have to sit here and wait for a Supreme Court decision. Is that what the, is that, is that what the Constitution says? No, nothing like it. And people are shocked. Well, Men in Black, if you read that book, and it's quoted all over the place even, even now, the first book I ever wrote discusses that. What's going on with the courts? With a few exceptions, like today's decision, you have a, a, effectively, in many, in many districts in this country, a, a judicial tyranny, particularly in the highly populated areas. What do you think Ameritopia is all about? The disconnect between constitutionalism and, uh, and these other ideas that are pushed and forced upon us by the left, among others. So I, I have to scratch my head. I really do. I mean, you have opinion makers with huge audiences who are largely unread or illiterate about these things. They, and they're shocked when they figure out, what? wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who gets to make these decisions? Well, at Hillsdale College, they understand. Not many colleges can claim that they're 100% financially independent from both federal and state governments. In fact, I can think of only one college in the entire country that refuses government funding of every kind. Not one penny. Hillsdale College. Now, why? Why do they make that decision? Because government money comes with strings, and Hillsdale refuses to have government bureaucrats dictate what and how they are to teach Students and how they're to run their campus. From the beginning, in 1844, Hillsdale has provided a world-class education that upholds America's founding principles and preserves the blessings of civil and religious liberty. Everything Hillsdale does, from the financial aid that 97% of its students receive to the completely free online courses it offers you, depends on generous donors who recognize the worth of independence. Financial freedom preserves the integrity and excellence of a Hillsdale liberal arts education, attracting the nation's brightest students in scores of fields of study, from music to biology to business. Hillsdale College teaches their students to pursue truth and defend liberty. Learn more about how Hillsdale College helps all of us become better, more independent citizens, and how you can help Hillsdale further freedom at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And Dr. Larry Arn, the great president of Hillsdale College, also is a close personal friend of mine for decades. And my wife and I had dinner with he and his wonderful wife, Penny, over the weekend, and we had a hell of a lot of fun. A hell of a lot of fun. Let's see. This one disagrees. That one disagrees. And we love it. Joe, Los Angeles, California, the Mark Levin app. Go. Uh, hi, Mr. Levin. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, yes. I just have a, a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. How does one way, in, in your, you, I really just wanted to get your take on this. Um, how does mm-hmm. one way the promises and the importance of Native American burial land versus industrial development? And I, I guess I can take your answer off the phone. No, 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 don't take it off the phone because the vast majority of this has nothing to do with Native American burial lands. I mean, you, you have your 
I, I just want to get your take. Tell me, in the Native American burial lands, is that 25% of the United States? Is I, it? Don't, I don't know the answer to the broader question that you're asking. No, you're asking me, and I'm trying to get the facts, because obviously you have a point you want to make. Almost 30%. Of the land mass of the United States is controlled by the federal government. So my question to you is, how much of that has anything to do with Native American uh, bar- tribal lands, burial lands, you said? And moreover, what's the difference? Uh, because uh, uh, in many of these areas, the states keep these areas pristine. They're not just turned over to industries, necessarily. Uh, some of this land is stolen from uh, homeowners and ranchers and farmers and industries. But the the vast majority of it isn't. Right, and so that's another issue, right? Where uh, what is no, no. I'm trying to figure out your point. So, whether the state controls it or the federal government controls it, uh, you're talking about uh, burial grounds. I'm not understanding your point. Is somebody building a uh, an industrial complex on an Indian burial ground somewhere? No, but the fear the fear is that if it's open and there are these irreplaceable. Um, I want to call them irreplaceable items within the land that represent... Well, sir, if you can identify them or somebody can identify them, they can actually make the case. But really, this is a non-issue because it's, we're, we're talking about million, hundreds of millions of acres, uh, most of which have nothing to do with Indian burial lands. But there are Native American groups... Well, tell me, sir, uh, let me ask you something. Do you drive a car? Do I? Yes. Do you have a home? Um, unfortunately, no. Do you live in an apartment? What, do you live under correct. a tree? Where do you live? You live in an apartment? I, correct. Tell me, where do you think all this stuff comes from? Well, I'm not sure if, if I don't understand your point. I, I get the point. Well, everyone listening understands my point. How much of the United States, the land mass, should we take out of production? What would satisfy you? It's not out of sense. Where, wherever a Native American was buried 150 years ago? Well, we made promises that we have failed to keep. I'm not saying we, we should violate our promises. I'm asking you a question. That That is, I, I guess that's kind of deviating from my main... It's not part. deviating at all. We're dealing with the real world here. We are, and that is a reality. But For up to me, there'd be no Indian reservations. Uh, the word reservation to me is repugnant. Uh, reservations were created to push Indians into these areas, so... Uh, I think Indians and everybody else should be assimilating one with the other and should exercise their free will. That's what I think. What do you think of that? I agree with you regarding that, but then what about uh, places where... I don't think Jewish cemeteries, Catholic cemeteries, Native American cemeteries. I would prefer not to see production lines on those properties, and I suspect on the vast majority of them there aren't. So why are you raising a red herring? You call here and you don't even know to the extent to which this happens. The Thanks for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, when a guy doesn't take a breath to reply to anything that I'm saying, just, but well, what about this and what about this? I can't take it. Some of you can. I just can't. I don't have patience for it. Lauren, Davenport, Iowa, Sirius Satellite. How may I help you? Hi, Mr. Levin. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're thank welcome. Thank you, and uh, taking some courses at Hillsdale because of you, so thank you very much for that. You got uh, it. And thank you for shining some light on details that just seem to be very murky. Um, my comment goes back to the beginning of the show when you were talking, and we talked about Flynn 
And I'm following the logic. I follow the logic that it was part of the transition team that Flynn made contact. What I don't understand is why he would lie about it when asked by the FBI. Well, if he did lie about it, he shouldn't have because it's silly. Now, what I also said is the guy fought it for months, and then he ran out of money, and he was emotionally broken, and he gave up. So even though he's pled guilty to lying, I suspect when this is all said and done, he will also explain more about what he did. But look, he pled. That's the way it is. It it would have been so easy if he just said this was part of the transition team and just, you know. Well, but Jim Comey, uh, excuse me, James, I don't know the guy. James Comey, according to Brett Baer, who told Catherine Heritage over at the Fox News Channel, she reported that uh, Comey looked at the same exact, exact set of facts, and he concluded that uh, Flynn did not intentionally lie, that he that he couldn't remember, that he didn't remember properly. So that's a possibility too, isn't it? I don't. I didn't report that. They reported that. Yeah. And after all, they're not you know Brian Ross, so they do have some level of credibility. Right. Absolutely. I, I agree with credibility. I just. At the time, have you had conversations with me? And, and they ask so many times. I, I know, but sometimes it's a little murkier than that, isn't it? If somebody is really out to ruin you, I want you to think about your own life. I'm not asking you to tell me anything. If somebody were to go through all your financial records and they would find that you took a tax deduction you shouldn't have taken. Well, my account told me, no, but you signed under penalty of perjury. Or they ask you what you said and you, you spoke to 50 different people and... Maybe you forgot, or maybe maybe you did mislead. I don't know. It's just not sometimes so clear. Now, look, I don't know all the underlying facts here. I'm just trying to deal with your general point, which is, well, you ought to tell the truth to the FBI. Yes, I would tell the truth to the FBI and so forth. But that said, I'm saying he fought the contention, apparently, that he made a false statement for months. It wasn't until the twenty the the, the 24 hours before they were going to drag him in front of a grand jury that he finally gave up. And he's selling his home. He doesn't have any more money to defend himself. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that they're just getting caught in the web, in the spider web. At this but point. I have a question for you. This prosecutor, why is he investigating post-election events that have nothing to do with the collusion with Russia in the election? They should not have this process going on at all right now. It is a waste of money. A waste of money and a waste of people's time, and it's... He's the special impeachment prosecutor. That's what he is. All right, Lauren, great call. I appreciate it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Tell me, are members of Congress... Free to fire staff members? I'm just curious. Are they free to fire staff members? Tell me, when members of Congress call for an FBI director to resign or condemn an FBI director, as they did Comey before Trump fired him, are they obstructing justice? You know, life is stressful. Even worse when the IRS is after you for back taxes. You may not think you owe them, but they don't care. You agonize when they'll show up, seize your bank account, put a lien on your home, or garnish your wages. 
It was even worse for Lori. Lori was engaged, but knew bringing 25 grand of IRS debt into the marriage was no way to start her new life. Lori did something really smart. She called the pros at Optimal Tax Relief. Optima stepped between Lori and the IRS, analyzed her case, and uncovered some game-changing facts that allowed them to settle her case in her favor. When Optima told Lori that her IRS problems were over, she called it the happiest call of her life, and her wedding was back on. You know, folks, I've been talking about Optima for many, many years now, and they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients, and they're rated A+, A+, with a Better Business Bureau. Getting your life back starts the moment you call Optima for your free consultation. Don't wait any longer. Get some help. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. We have a blockbuster at Levin TV tonight. And uh, every now and then I am permitted to put a show in front of the paywall. Tonight's show will be in front of the paywall. It deals with Mueller, it deals with Comey, it deals with obstruction, it deals with it in ways that are different than on radio, as radio is different than TV. And I hope you'll take a good look at it. And uh, we will put that, as I say, up on Levin TV Facebook, Levin TV Facebook, and we will link to it on Mark Levin Show Facebook and Mark Levin Show Twitter, approximately at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, in other words, in about 10 minutes. Assuming we don't shut the system down, and I don't think we will. All righty. Any other disagreeers out there? Stan, Bend, Oregon, the great KBND. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. Nice to talk to you. I just wanted to call in because I live in an area that's surrounded by the federal government, and we choked on smoke for about six weeks this summer because of the forest fires. Oregon burned about 500,000 acres of forest. Over $25 billion worth of board feet of timber went up in smoke, and that's how the Forest Service manages our forests. And I think... Um, something needs to change. In the old days, the uh, loggers were out there with their water trucks and their chainsaws, and if there was a lightning strike, they would go put the fire out. And now nobody's out there doing that, and then we have all the wilderness and whatnot. I know the Forest Service is hamstrung by a lot of um, environmentalists, but I... I can't believe the smoke that we choked in the whole month of August. I mean, it literally was like a fog out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen anything like it, and I've lived here 40 years. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of the people never see it and don't live anywhere near it. And so, um, you know, we can make laws in Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway, in a uh, metropolitan area, that affects everybody who doesn't necessarily live in a metropolitan area. And that's part of the problem. All right, Stan, I appreciate your call. Quickly, quickly, Carl, Goldsboro, North Carolina, Sirius Satellite, go. Hello, Mark. Quickly, go. Oh, goodness, can you hear me? 
All right, Carl, you blew it. All right, thanks for your call, Carl. When I say quickly go, that means we have like 30 seconds for you to speak. That's it. But not tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Call tomorrow, Carl, when I'll give you a little more time. I'm sorry. And, folks, we're going to post Levin TV. I really want you to watch it. It won't cost you a penny. It goes on for about 55 minutes. I spent a lot of time on this because I, I, I was thinking of you out there. And I'll see you tomorrow on the radio.